Welcome to this week's episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. On this week's episode, we look into the end of the Gaza conflict and the day after. Let's get started. For those listeners who have followed the JDR podcast for a little bit of time now, might have noticed that recently we've been doing a lot of current events. This is kind of turning into a what's going on this week in the world. And this episode's going to be yet another because something big has happened this past week. This past week, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu finally laid out his plan for what he believes will be the day after Gaza is finally freed of Hamas. Many people have been waiting for this update on what the plan is going forward. We all know that the plan currently is to get rid of Hamas and to end their hold on the Gaza Strip. But no one really knew what the plan was once Hamas is gone. People speculated, including me, would it be the Palestinian Authority taking over? Will it be some sort of international body like the UN? What was the plan that Israel had? And finally, they've released it. And we're going to go over it a little bit here now, and we're going to talk about some of the pros, the cons, the concerns, the hopeful aspects of this, and we'll talk about where we go from here. We obviously can't go through the entire list of what things Israel's going to do following the removal of Hamas, but these are some of the key points to consider. The Prime Minister has put out the idea that freedom of activity by the IDF is a vital step to ensuring that Israel can keep control and make sure that Hamas doesn't come back. Hamas obviously has people who are very sympathetic within the Gaza Strip. We've talked a lot about how 80% or more of people of Gaza support Hamas and their actions. We see these protests happening of people saying, please get rid of Hamas. We don't want you here anymore. Look how we're living. This is your fault, whatever. And I recently pointed out the fact that people are protesting Hamas. But that's not because they don't actually like Hamas and what they're doing. They just don't like what's currently happening today on the ground. Many of these people support Hamas and their goals and their aims to end the state of Israel, but they don't support it when it affects them. They are totally fine with shooting rockets, attacking and causing all kinds of problems for Israel. Just, you know, let us live our lives here and leave us out of it kind of thing. And now the way Israel is fighting back finally and not allowing them to shoot rockets without any kind of retribution or minimal retribution that the international world will accept, now it's actually affecting the people on the ground. So when they're protesting, it's not that they don't support Hamas. So when we say we want to get rid of Hamas, that's a very tricky thing. 80 plus percent support Hamas. How many of those people who are not maybe officially on their registration as a Hamas terrorist are going to just get into power and make Hamas 2.0, if you will. So it is a very difficult and honorable thing, but Israel must maintain control over the region to be able to put out these fires as they come up. They'll have to be able to arrest people, take people into custody who are planning terrorist attacks or trying to harm Israelis. Israel needs control because clearly Hamas can no longer provide any kind of control over that region because they allowed it for so long. Secondly, and along that same note, Israel is demanding that they disarm Gaza. So no more are we going to see them be able to smuggle in weapons and have their own police force and their own terrorist groups with weapons. There's going to be a complete disarmament of the population. This all makes sense considering the fact that Israel is finally cleaning up the mess of leaving them to their own devices for so long. 
We saw UN buildings, mosques, schools everywhere with weapons caches filled with rockets and bombs and guns and AK-47s. We can't have this anymore. So it's going to be a complete disarmament of the entire population to ensure that there are no weapons caches anywhere. Which leads us to our next point, because, you know, for all the people out there who claim that Gaza is a, quote, open air prison, how do the guns come in? If it's an open air prison with no way in or out, then there shouldn't be any guns. But the reality is it isn't an open air prison. Things that come through the border, through the Israeli aid that comes from the UN and UNRWA and other places are able to smuggle things in. It happens all the time. Where do you think they're getting these rockets from? In fact, there are very well-known tunnels that are going from Gaza underneath the Egyptian border in order to smuggle things in and out. Supposedly, according to experts, they say these tunnels are big enough you can literally drive trucks through them. That's how big they are. And for Egypt to apparently, quote, not know about it is a little bit silly. So Israel has decided that part of the deal in the day after is that they are going to take control over that Rafah border to allow them to ensure that nothing is coming across that border, all of the tunnels are sealed up, and no weapons can get in, because it kind of undermines the idea of disarmament if the people could just smuggle in weapons, which is what they've been doing for years. So Israel is now going to take control over that border and ensure that this no longer happens. Another key feature of this day-after plan is that Israel is going to create a safe zone, if you will, between Gaza and Israel. For anyone who's actually seen any of the footage or seen any interviews with people from the kibbutzim that have been attacked on October 7th, you actually see that the fence line between Gaza and these areas is literally just a fence. These areas that were attacked kind of had no defense between them and the Gaza Strip. So as part of the deal, Israel is now going to take some land from inside Gaza Strip and put up a second barrier to create this safe zone. Uh, a buffer zone, if you will. And the funny thing is, I know the international world is going to cry out that Israel is stealing the land. They're taking land away from the Gaza Strip for this safe area that's not going to be allowing people to put their houses there. And you know what? A, you guys ruined it with your terrorism, unfortunately. But B, if you look at Egypt and what they've done, Since the incident of October 7th and the mass attacks against Israel, Egypt has fortified their border with Gaza on a scale that no one's ever seen before. It is now known as the Super Wall. If you have a chance to take a look at these pictures, it's unbelievable how massive this wall is. And it's a system of walls, including, most importantly, a safe zone in between. So there's somewhat of a no man's land. It seems to be the easiest way to ensure that there's not going to be any attacks of someone getting through one fence and then you're in the country. You'd have to get through multiple barriers, which is what Israel is now going to implement in the Gaza Strip. They are going to have multiple barriers with a safe zone in between to ensure that people cannot get through into Israel anymore. Another very important thing that's come out recently is the radicalization that's been going on for about 20 years. We have seen the United Nations and their UNRWA, UNRWA organization, putting out propaganda and their education system is just filled with anti-Semitic ideas and martyrdom. The UN and its teachers, who have now been complicit in the attacks of October 7th, have literally proven themselves to be a death cult, teaching their children how to hate And so Israel, as part of the day after plan, has decided two things. One, that UNRWA will no longer be in charge of the education system in Gaza. 
but they will also make sure that this demilitarization physically will also come along with de-radicalization of their population. There is no way that these people can continue to live and be peaceful as long as we are filling their children's head with hate. It's just an unbelievable idea. Following World War II in Germany, almost everybody in Germany was a Nazi. They believed the most disgusting things that Hitler had told them. And yet it took de-radicalization in order to stop these people from believing the stuff that Hitler had told them, waiting for that generation change from people who grew up in the Hitler youth in order to ensure that we can get to a place of peace. And now you see that Germany is a massive ally of the Jews and of the state of Israel. They have the toughest anti-Semitism laws in Germany because of the de-radicalization. So it is possible to ensure that these people are de-radicalized so they have a chance to live freely and no longer hate and want to die in order to kill other people. And lastly and most importantly, since we're getting rid of the UN for education, Israel is also saying they're going to get rid of the UN or UNRWA for the funding and supplying of materials. Because if October 7th proved anything, it is how corrupt the United Nations has been in getting those billions of dollars into Gaza and allowing them to build terror tunnels that stretch and spider web across the entire Gaza area. But it allowed them to keep food in storage rooms for Hamas rather than giving it to the people. The money was wasted, completely and utterly wasted for the wrong things, weapons, drones, rockets. They were giving them everything except for giving the people food. And so part of this deal is that the Israelis are saying, UN, you are no longer going to be the people in charge of giving aid to the people of Gaza. We and other people that we agree to will do it to make sure that the people are actually getting the things they need and it's not being given to Hamas or using it for terror infrastructure. We're going to do it. And on that same note, they've decided that they are no longer going to allow anybody to donate to these funds because the funds that were going into Hamas from Qatar and Iran are no longer welcome. We will allow anybody who we decide is a valid partner for peace to donate money to proper things like infrastructure and food and make sure it goes to the people of Gaza. No longer are we going to allow terrorist countries to come in to fuel and fund terrorism. So in a nutshell, that's kind of the idea that Israel is proposing right now. And I don't necessarily think any of this is very radical, but there are some concerns that I have. Not that we really care about what the international world says, because let's be honest, they say terrible things about Israel, even when Israel does good things. But the reality is that so many people are claiming occupation. The Israelis are occupying their land, blah, blah, blah. It's all a lie for that matter. But it was especially a lie because we could point to in 2005 when the Israelis pulled out of Gaza completely. There isn't a single Israeli soldier. There isn't a single Israeli person in that land. So we could point to that as saying, how could it be an occupation? Whereas, unfortunately, after this day after plan that Netanyahu is suggesting, it is kind of an occupation. However, to be fair, Gaza was part of Israel. It is not necessarily the Palestinian Arabs' actual land. However, it will give fuel to these anti-Israel haters to claim that we are, quote, stealing their land, which is completely false, but it gives that little kernel of truth that they can use against the state of Israel. And secondly, and more importantly, we learned before 2005 when the Israelis were in Gaza, 
The Israeli army spent a lot of time in Gaza just essentially putting out fires, stopping terrorism, protecting Israelis who lived in Gaza for many, many generations, and we were putting our own soldiers at risk. Part of the deal of pulling them out was not only to hopefully get peace, which obviously went very badly, but it was also to keep the Israeli soldiers safe. Why are parents sending their children off to Gaza to be killed by terrorists? The government seemed to believe that it was better to just pull your soldiers out, let them live their lives, we'll put up a fence once Hamas took over, and you're on your own, essentially. It kept our people relatively safe up until October 7th, but the reality is, is there a better option here? Because if we do that again, and we pull out and leave the PA or anyone else in charge, it's more than likely that they're going to be terrorists yet again, and we're going to have another October 7th in some time, and Israelis will die either way. So what's better, taking your people and making sure to police this area to keep it safe? I really don't know. During this conflict, we saw how many times the Israeli defense forces were protecting Gazans from Hamas giving them safe passage, giving them safe zones, making sure that they were out of harm's way from Hamas rockets and sites that they were using for terror and away from buildings. So maybe it's best that Israel actually does continue to do that, officially speaking. So Hamas will be gone and Israel will do that exact same thing in Gaza to stop any other terrorist groups from doing the same thing that Hamas was doing. What many of my listeners might know by now, because I've said this often, is that the Arabs living under Jewish control, the ones who are Israeli Arabs living in an Israeli state, are the freest of all of them around the Middle East. They have full equal rights. They can be any career they want, unlike many Palestinian Arabs who live in Jordan or Lebanon. And the funny thing is that under Jewish control, they have freedom. So is it that crazy to think that maybe the people of Gaza will have a better life like their brethren in Israel living under a free Israeli state? Which leads us to our next question of if this works by some miracle, if the people of Gaza take that money that comes in from the international world and uses it for proper use, for infrastructure, for education, for food, imagine the blissful place that Gaza could be with all the millions of dollars that have come in. If we think about post-World War II Germany and the Marshall Plan, this was the plan by the Allies on how they were going to rebuild Germany and Europe as a whole following the complete and utter destruction of World War II, which is exactly what we kind of see in Gaza right now. In the Marshall Plan, $80 billion of today's money was used in order to rebuild, and it became an amazing place. Germany now is one of the top economies in the entire world. Imagine that happened with all this money from Saudi Arabia, United States, Canada, all of the West gives all this money, European Union gives it to the right place, to whoever's going to control it and actually get it to infrastructure and buildings and food and markets and technology. This could be an oasis in the Middle East, possibly under Israeli rule or under whatever comes next. But the idea being that this could be a massive success. What happens if Gaza actually turns out to be better under Israeli rule than it is under the Palestinian Authority? Will we see something happen in the West Bank, or Judea and Samaria, as we call it, where people are going to start to say, maybe the West Bank deserves to be occupied by the Israelis, i.e. the Israelis actually manage their stuff properly and give them a chance to get away from the corruption of the PA who's been unelected for 20 years and has absolutely no intention of succeeding in making their people's lives better. Imagine Israel goes in to the West Bank and does what it's going to do to Gaza. 
How is the world going to hate the Jews when they make these people's lives so much better if that actually happens? Would we all have to admit that this whole Gaza and West Bank, Oslo Accord, Palestinian Arab government idea was a complete and utter failure? It's been long enough. I think we can judge if it's working or not working. Clearly, the West Bank is not a great place to live due to its own incompetent government and the rise in Hamas terrorists within the West Bank. The Palestinian Authority has been completely unable to control any of the stuff going on within their own region. So maybe we need to admit it failed. Maybe we need to do what we're doing in Gaza, eventually, to the West Bank. The United States and many other Western nations haven't really come to terms with this new day-after plan. According to the U.S. officials, they are still looking at some of the details. But it's safe to say that the U.S. and many other allies are probably not going to be thrilled with Netanyahu's day-after plan. So the question, I guess, is, do we really care? No Western nation has done much to help the Israeli people in this fight. It seems like at every turn they've tried to stop Israel from actually doing what they need to do in order to remove Hamas. They have not put their soldiers' lives on the line. That's Israel doing that. And so why do they feel they get to tell us, the people who fought and died to get rid of Hamas, what to do next. When these same countries cried out, please don't go into Rafah, please don't go into Khan Yunus, please don't go into Gaza City, just leave them all alone, they're just poor innocent civilians, there's going to be casualties, let Hamas continue. These are the people who are going to tell us what comes next? Let me remind you that Hamas is a recognized terrorist organization by most, if not all, Western nations, and yet they're doing everything they can to keep Hamas around? It makes no sense why we'd ever take any kind of suggestions on what comes next from the countries who sat around and watched as we fought and we got rid of Hamas, and all they did was get in the way and try and stop us from removing them. In the end, we really don't know what's going to happen in Gaza. We still have to make sure that Hamas is gone. We have to hope that they're going to actually de-radicalize it and they're actually going to demilitarize it to the point where it's going to be a safe place for people to live. This could be the future. If we demilitarize it and do the things that Israel's planning, it has a chance. The people of Gaza can finally live in a place that isn't controlled by Hamas under a terrorist regime like ISIS and some of the other disgusting terrorist groups who have no problem putting their own people in harm's way and providing nothing for the local community as long as they themselves are able to succeed. Let's all really hope that whatever the outcome is, we can find a stable peace from this area. Then we can maybe even move it over to the West Bank. Who knows? The potential for this is really amazing. And I'm not saying this because I'm a huge supporter of Israel, because I am. And I believe that the Gazan people would be way better under an Israeli government over a Hamas government. But the reality is that clearly the last 20 years have proven that Hamas was unable to rule. Hamas only cared for itself and its terrorism. And the people of Gaza really do deserve better. And if that comes at an international hand or the Israeli hand or whoever does it, at least the people of Gaza and Israel will be safe and maybe they could have a prosperous coexistence now that we've gotten rid of the psychotic, genocidal regime that ruled it and brainwashed their people. All we can do is hope, and we'll wait and see as time goes on for what's going to happen the day after the end of the war. Let's pray for some peace. This has been another episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. Don't forget to check us out on social media at jdr.podcast. 
and check out some of our other episodes on your favorite podcast source. We'll see you next time. Bye.